Junk Monk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Junk Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Candace Sloan, who you know from Instagram at Harns and Hard Hats. And today I have a special guest co-host back in the studio. Hi, I'm Savannah Lee, who you know from your hometown anime convention. If this is your first time listening, let me fill you in. I am picking up where the Drunk Monk podcast left off, hosted by Keiko Agena and Will S. Choi. I was a big fan of their podcast and was really sad to see they stopped making their show, so I decided to pick it up and continue from where they left off. So here's the deal. Will and Keiko did their show a little drunk, and we're going to do this show with a little junk. So I've got my junk food here, which is just Chick-fil-A that I didn't get to finish. Right. And I have some of these delicious uh, roasted nuts. They are like the cinnamon covered ones. They're pecans and they're amazing. Also, you must know, I have seen every episode of Monk. I'm a huge fan, started watching it in about 2007 and for the most part watched it as it aired. I have seen every episode as well, watched it quite a few times through, so I'm very excited to contribute once again. That about sums up this intro. So, Toby... If you're ready, let's start the show. Thanks, Toby. That was that took a little long, Toby, but that's all right. Okay, so we are here with your season three recap. We've done Savannah was here for season one, uh, John H was here for season two, and now Savannah's back for season three. And yeah, this is going to be our last recap like this of a whole season. Uh, from now on, we're going to do wrap-ups. So it'll be stuff you've already heard before and we're wrapping it up. So this is our last recap. So that is exciting, but we've got a lot to get through. So let's go ahead and get started. All right. So we're going to start with, well, let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room. This is probably the most unique season of Monk, I'd probably say. Yeah. Because we, you know, we all know we have the switch from Sharona to Natalie as the assistant. And so, yeah, just got to get that out of the way. This, what we we're not really going to discuss Natalie versus Sharona. We kind of, we did a draft pick. Once again, uh, we have a little bit of different tastes in episodes. So we did a draft pick and we kind of just realized that it doesn't really... It doesn't really matter which assistant is in which episode. You know, each episode stands on its own, basically, mm-hmm. on this, um, in this series. So, yeah, that's, we're not gonna, you're not gonna hear us, like, debating Team Natalie versus Team Sharona. That, that might come in the future, though. So, you know, hold on for that. But, yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with Monk's phobias. He's very scared of the subway. He, yeah, he legit cries on the mm-hmm. subway. Someone asks him what's wrong, and he's like, make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> um, he also is afraid of puppies. Uh, Stottlemyre says that in one of the episodes. Mm. And um, the miracle of birth. Do you remember what episode that's in? That is the red herring, because that's when... Um, oh, yeah. The, <laughs> they go <I> through <laughs> the exhibit. How did I forget that? Yeah, I'll explain that when I talk about the episode. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're so right. That's so it. Um, he's afraid of spiders. We see when Natalie accepts to be his assistant. Yes. That he, she says, oh, how big is the spider? <laughs> so we know he's afraid of spiders. Exactly. I'm laughing. I'm just laughing at places. Yeah. He's dear, afraid of places. I want to say that's in Cabin Fever, <laughs> That is fever, in Cabin right? Fever. That is in Cabin Fever because um, I forget who he's talking to, but he's talking to someone. And is it Natalie? 
when I they get out of the car or something. I yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. She says, you're always somewhere. I think it's Natalie. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, I'm afraid of places. Yeah. She's like, you're always somewhere. He's like, mm-hmm. Um, he's also afraid of BM. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember what BM? BM? When he calls 911 and oh, he's like, BM. Oh, gosh. He's afraid of, I mean, obviously he's going to be afraid of it, but he's afraid. He doesn't know how to change the diaper, so he's like, BM, there's BM, there's BM. it's BM. He's like, she's like, sir, are you changing your son's diaper? And he's like, it's everywhere. So, yeah, he's definitely afraid of BM. He's also afraid of, um, I understand this, uh, undressing in public yeah me too i totally get that one i i would hope a lot of people are scared of that but they're not and that's the awkward part <laughs> just in the locker room just like changing getting all kinds of inappropriates and you're like um mm, I there's like a stall like, like if i'm in my if i'm going down to my underwear then maybe if i knew if i know these people but a bunch of just naked, sweaty dudes. Yeah. I'm going to go with a hard no on that one. Exactly. Uh, also, he's afraid of locker rooms, mm. which is kind of separate because he he kind of addresses that in Mr. Muck and the Kid when yeah. he says specifically, I, I don't room. like locker rooms. I, I hate locker rooms. Um, which makes yeah. sense. He was bullied. He's yeah. also a germaphobe. So that's two things against him right there. Yeah, that's true. He's also afraid of voting booths. Yeah, I guess that has to do with his claustrophobia. Like, he won't go in, but it's like, you don't know he's afraid of something until yeah. he... I'm afraid of those two. ...goes into... For the... another reason. And what stinks is, okay, that's kind of... Oh, yeah. It's a plot hole, guys. Just leave the curtain open. You don't... I don't think I you have to close the curtain. It's a, just a privacy thing if you choose to... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I get that, but okay. So I mean, I don't, I, I think we're done with phobias. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else. At a certain point, they have a lot of repeat phobias. These mm-hmm. are just new ones that we've learned by either seeing it firsthand or him stating it, somebody else stating it. So, so monk eccentricities. We see in Mister Monk takes Manhattan. He can <laughs> recognize someone based on a very small body part. Like the earlobe. Just the earlobe. Just the left earlobe. Just the left earlobe. He's like, okay, we finally dealt with the ear. Now, what's next? Oh, that's all I saw. (laughs) It's like, what are we supposed to do with this? He's like, I would recognize it. I would recognize it. (laughs) That's good. Oh, he's sensitive to traffic noise, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. He's indoors. (laughs) He's... (laughs) Well... Okay, and also, uh, he has a very, very big problem with public urination. I mean, who doesn't? But he kind of goes off on this guy. (laughs) To the point where you're in the middle of accusing this man of murder. Let me stop and confront the urinator. (laughs) Which one's one's worse, the murderer or the urinator? (sighs) The murderer. The murderer. He hesitated. He didn't. He didn't want to say murder. You know he didn't. <laughs> um, he has an aversion to hats. Oh yeah. I I didn't. I wasn't sure exactly what was up with that. I don't either. I don't know if it's he doesn't like to wear hats because I'm pretty sure we've seen him wear a hat. Oh, he wears a hat in the cabin fever. He does. He wears a uh like a trucker or baseball cap. Yep. He so also wears a hat in Mr. Monk and the Marathon Man. 
I want to say, when he's going to watch the his hero, he's wearing a hat. But this one I just didn't know because he doesn't put the hard hat on. So I'm assuming that it's because he doesn't know where it's been. Mm. So it might be ger- it might be germaphobe thing. Okay. So I was like yeah. to say with how concerned he is for safety, you would think he would want to wear the hat. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like aversion to hats, maybe. But I think it's I think talking through it, I think it's the germs. But mm-hmm. that's all right. He uses pre-written note cards in casual <laughs> conversation. This pops up more than once. It does. We learned that he was born natural, but he was raised cesarean. Do you remember that? I don't. This is when he's on the date with the blackout girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And they're name. walking up the stairs and and he keeps asking her questions like, "Do you have a sister?" and he's like, she's like, "You already asked me that." Oh. <laughs> and he's like, "Were you born cesarean? I was born natural, but I was raised cesarean." <laughs> like, oh, he sleeps only 45 minutes. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, How? I th- I, th- I want to say they reference that twice. They do. There's a, I'm I can't think of where it is, but one is like he says, if I don't if I don't get my full forty five minutes, then I'm a wreck or something yeah, exactly. like that. And then there's another reference later about him cleaning or something like that. And then we see we've seen this I think in another season, but this is the second time, so it kind of establishes the fact that. He loves Marmaduke. He does love Marmaduke. He sees it in the... Oh, I think it's in the... It's Mr. Muck and the Paperboy, where they're looking through the newspaper, and he finds a Marmaduke joke. And then this season... Is the one where he's he's at a job interview, and he asks the lady about Marmaduke. Yep. Yep. That's right. He has pristine handwriting. Yeah. Fancy schmancy. We see this. We see this on the note cards, mm-hmm. but I don't think that, at least with me, maybe it did with other people. It never registered with me that he hand wrote those note cards. Uh, yeah. But then in the when he goes to interview, the woman asks, "Did you type this? How oh, did you yeah. have time to type this?" And he's like, "Oh no, I wrote this by hand." And she's like, "Wow." So then we <laughs> learn. Anytime you see something that's perfectly handwritten like or you know that looks typed mm-hmm. he hand wrote it so thought that was interesting we learned <gasps> that he had a babysitter until he was 19 years old i myself am 19 years old and i just i can't imagine having a babysitter <laughs> like what do i have to ask her if i can go to the gas station and get a bang energy drink or something yeah what do you remember what episode that's in that is uh i think that's the yeah, I can't remember either. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, he must pop bubble wrap every single yeah. bubble. Yep, we learned that in Mr. Monk and the Employee of the Month. Yep. Also, this is a you know kind of more not funny one, but he refuses medication. Mm-hmm. So we learn that he has all these phobias, right? But when Dr. Kroger mentions, you know, maybe, we, you know, we've talked about medication before, but, you know, you don't like it, whatever, maybe you should take this. Mm-hmm. So we learn, like, he hates it. He doesn't like the thought of it running through his body mm. and stuff like that. So he refuses medication except for that one time. And then he goes through 200 wipes per week. Yeah, Natalie says that. <laughs> yeah, she does. Because she wants to get paid more. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, Mr. Monk, I'm going through about 200 wipes per week. And you're like, wow, okay. And then the last thing is he polishes light bulbs. I know. 
he like will take he'll do this he'll put his sleeve over his mm-hmm. hand. I know they can't see it, but you can see it. Mm-hmm, yeah. He goes like this and then he just rub 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 with the well, sleeve. No, there's there's an episode I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was like it was supposed it's just this little tidbit where it's like somebody walks in and he's like, Oh, I'm not busy or I'm he either says I was busy or I'm not. I was just polishing my light bulbs and he has all the light bulbs out like in this little oh. carton. Okay. He's like, oh, it's okay. I was just polishing light bulbs. I'm like, what? Why are you <laughs> polishing your light bulbs, sir? Like, that's, yeah. Out of sight, out of weird. mind. Yeah. All right. I think that's all of the monk eccentricities that we have mm-hmm. for season three. So let's go to Trudy's case. Okay. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. So we know that in Mr. Monk Takes Manhattan, it begins with him going to find Warwick Tennyson, right? Mm-hmm. Because Dale the Whale gave him this tip that Warwick Tennyson knows information about what happened to Trudy. So we see that play out in that episode. But the information that we do get from Warwick Tennyson on his deathbed is that he had paid a man $2,000 cash to build a bomb. Yep. The bomb we find that was made out of 10 pounds of plastic magnesium charge. It was detonated with a cell phone. He doesn't know the guy's name. He only met him once in a parking mm-hmm. garage. He never saw the guy's face, but he saw his right hand and it had six fingers. So, I mean, I want to say that that's probably like thus far, this has got to be the biggest clue that he's we've ever seen him get. Yeah. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, other than that... I think everything I have else has to do with just Trudy herself, but I do like to go back and mention these things about Trudy because mm-hmm. we don't know if, uh, I mean, unless you've seen the end, but mm-hmm. we don't know if any of these in particular things about Trudy have anything to do with her death. Exactly. So I like to mention those things. So do you want to start with those? One thing we learned about Trudy is that she majored in journalism. Another thing is that she loved writing, uh, poetry. She loved going barefoot, even when it was freezing cold outside. And her head was, like, oval. An oval? <laughs> An oval-shaped. Yeah. Yeah, I thought is, that was really cute. But... I'm pretty sure I have the same head shape. Like, I have a oval face. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if he's talking about her face or her skull. I don't know. I don't know. Knowing him, it could have been both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Could have been both. And then also, we learned that Trudy has an office downtown that Mm -hmm. Monk has paid for Mm -hmm. every month since she's passed. And we see that in the Cobra, and eventually he gets rid of it. Right. So she doesn't technically have it anymore, but we see in this episode that she had it. Mm -hmm. And then... um, yeah, I think that's actually it for Trudy. Oh, he also admits, um, I remember, he's al- he also admits that he's too close to the Trudy case, which is something he talks about in The Girl Who Cried Wolf. Oh, yes, so you're right. That's why it's more difficult for him. Mm-hmm. That's probably why he hasn't quite solved it yet, is because he's looking at it from the victim's point of view yeah. rather than his normal detective point of view. And you know what? That's interesting. That's a really great catch because he does mention that in that episode and then he doesn't end up solving that case either. He doesn't solve the girl who cried wolf 
the nurse does. Mm-hmm. His his nurse. What's her yeah. name? Um, she's played by Nini. I can't remember the character's name. Oh, she's played by Nisi Nash. Mm. But I can't remember it either. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. Um, but yeah, she's the one that solves it. So okay. he doesn't really. Like he he does, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really do it by uh, like his monk clues. Mm-mm. He like finds the boot tip. He goes to the store. He finds the guy's name. He's like he was a security guard. You know what I mean? So it wasn't really exactly. like any crazy like monk ish something that somebody else couldn't have found. Mm-hmm. They missed it. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? So it's like and then once they're in that predicament where she loses her original draft, it's. Niecy Nash, mm-hmm. who goes to find it. Monk doesn't remember it either. You know exactly. what I mean? So it's like, that's a really great catch because he was still close to that case and didn't solve it. He actually didn't solve it. So, huh, it's kind of interesting. That was a good catch. Um, Let's go to Monk and the Badge. Mm. Again, this is another storyline that they kind of give you little tidbits here and there. We see that Really, the only thing that we see, quite honestly, is him being promised by that ATF agent that he'll get his badge back if he helps with the Lucarelli case. And that's in The Godfather, right? Mm -hmm. And then we know that at the end of that, since Monk didn't get Lucarelli for anything, he only gets the guy from the U.S. Mint, that the guy is not willing to help him and doesn't want to do that. So that's kind of messed up. But that's basically all we learned, unless you can remember another good catch. Um, That's all that I can remember learning about the badge. Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, we do learn that he gets, at one point in the season, he takes a step back because he loses his job. And so he gets one step forward, two steps back situation. Mm. So that was, that sucked. Yeah. And then um, something else that's just kind of a reference back to when he did have a badge was we see his old pal Joe Christie Mm -hmm. in the Employee of the Month. And he explains how great of a cop Monk was and that everybody would wait in line to pick his brain about their cases. So we kind of see that in the game show, too. Mm -hmm. Trudy talks about that. Yeah, she does talk about like his uh, detective work. Yeah, to her parents in Mm -hmm. the flashback. So, yeah, that's all we know about the badge in this season. And our last thing is going to be the monk relationships. Mm. So, let's start with Harold Crenshaw. (laughs) So, the thing with Harold and Monk is they could have been best friends because they bonded over the white noise machine. They are very similar. (laughs) Yeah. They're super similar. But uh, what happened was they had a argument over the way that the magazines were arranged in the in the office. office. Yeah. And so it begins their struggle for attention and like and favoritism by Dr. Croker. They also in a way become rivals th- for the rest of the series yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. They're just rivals because they're so similar. Although I will I may be biased, but Harold is unbearable whereas Monk <laughs> has this Monk's adorable. I'm yeah. sorry. He's this—he's this cute. Like you, he has a reason for the way he is. I'm sure Harold does too. But with Monk, you're like, oh, he—his wife died. He had a terrible childhood. He—all these people care about him. He's really trying. And Harold's just. 
Well, Harold is a much more in-your-face person Mm. where, like, so Monk is a more subdued character and you Mm -hmm. have to kind of be hanging out with him to be annoyed by him. Exactly. Whereas Harold Crenshaw is, like, he's someone who would run for school board. You know what I mean? So he'd Mm -hmm. put himself out there and just be... A very loud weirdo. <laughs> You're like... He's more weird than Monk, for he, some reason. Yeah, and all the ways that he organizes things, like, make a lot less sense than how Monk does they it. They don't make sense. So, like, why are you organizing <laughs> the magazines like that? Why are you organizing the donuts in two lines instead of by flavor? That's <laughs> weird. And, and he also... I feel like Monk... And I could be totally wrong, but I feel like at least in these two episodes that we see that Monk never really acts like he is Dr. Kroger's favorite. That's Harold's thing. Yeah. Harold is the one that's, like I said, he's in your face. That's another thing. He's like, oh, Dr. Kroger likes me better, basically. Like, oh, Dr. Kroger gave me his phone number. And he's like, you know, Monk does everything he can to kind of debunk all of these things that he's saying. But it's like, you know what I mean? Harold does it first. It's like, he started it. Yeah, I think Harold's jealous of Monk because Monk is the same way that Harold is, but Monk is more likable. More people like Monk, and Monk has this celebrity status to him. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. All right, let's go to Trudy's parents. Mm -hmm. So, Adrian is... We learned that he's still in touch with the parents' Because whenever the dad shows up to his house, he mentions like, oh, did you get the card that I sent you? And Mm -hmm. I liked the card you sent me or something like that. So they are still in touch. So that's really, I think that was a really uh, important detail to add. Because if they, if we just thought like, oh yeah, like Trudy's parents are still alive and they just like never talk to Monk. Like that's kind of, you know what I mean? Like in a exactly. in a kind of weird way, it's kind of messed up because it's not like they got a divorce. It's like his wife passed and it's mm-hmm. their daughter and she passed. So I feel like that's a really nice detail that they actually put that, yeah, they send each other cards. Also, it's so sweet when he calls him dad. I know. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> sweet. And they also seem to still really care for Adrian. And they're so sweet to him also. Yeah, they hug they him take, and everything. They hug him, you know, which the dad does acknowledge he's kind of weird. Kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, Adrian, all right, you can stop yeah, hugging me. Like, you're good. Yeah, but they <laughs> take him in at their house and, you know, she offers, like, for him to go into the room mm. and he doesn't want to. They have dinner with him and Kevin and it's so sweet. And then you get to see all the flashbacks where they kind of accept his mm-hmm. quirks and you can see... They obviously really trust him, and again, like, they they don't mind his quirks, but they obviously really trust him because he, in the flashback, he offers him a job. Exactly. As, you know, whatever, to work on his one of his TV shows, or whatever it was, you know, and, you know, he wants to take it, and Trudy's like, no, 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 he's <laughs> a detective, you know. So, and then, all these years later, when he has a problem with a crime, he calls his son-in-law. Yeah. So, that's... One important thing I noticed, especially, is it's just a nice character thing to add that they understand it's not his fault. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And and like I said, that's why we add those, you know, Trudy things, because mm-hmm. it could have something to do with her. Yeah. And so it's like, how dumb would you feel as a in-law if you blame 
essentially the only person that's still working on the case. Exactly. Trying to figure out what happened to your daughter and you blamed him, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we also see like at one point Ambrose thought it was his fault for, go, you know, calling her to the store to get cough medicine or whatever. So, yeah, but Trudy's parents, very sweet, nice touch to the season three where we actually don't see Ambrose in the season. He's in season two and he's in season four. Four. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was just a really good, you know, sandwich. Kind of bridge that together where it shows he has some family. Yeah. So Um, next let's do, uh, this is kind of, this is a very small one, but I feel like I wanted to preface it because of what happens with Sharona. Mm. Um, So I just put Sharona and Trevor. Yeah. So in the Godfather, um, we learned that, not that we learned, I feel like we knew this, Trevor doesn't ever send Sharona money. Exactly. He's, kinda, he's a deadbeat dad. He uses them, you know, at one point to try to get money from his relatives. Like, Trevor's not a great guy. Mm-mm. So I kind of just put this tidbit in because we know that that's the reason, quote, that Sharona leaves. Mm-hmm. Right? Not yeah. the, you know, not the actress. Sharona's character goes with Benji back to New Jersey to be with her ex-husband, Trevor. And I caught this. I felt like it was a very subtle detail. And I'm sure that they weren't even... This probably doesn't have anything to do with anything. But I put it because I was like, huh, that's interesting. When Mm -hmm. Fat Tony in The Godfather is able to get money from Trevor by basically threatening him or something, right? And Sharona is concerned... She actually shows concern, like, you're not going to hurt him, though, right? Or, like, Mm -hmm. how did you get that? And he's like, what do you think I'm going to hurt him? And she's like, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And so I thought it was a very interesting point. Like, they could have played that. They could have played that differently in the sense that she's like, like, oh, thanks. Like, he's a deadbeat. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm glad that you obviously didn't. It wouldn't come to that because he would just pay. Exactly. So it's like, you know, they could have. I felt like they could have worded that differently like oh thanks but she obviously has that twinge where she's like wait but you didn't hurt him did you and yeah like she still cares about do you him care? <laughs> that was a nice setup for the end of the season yeah because <laughs> otherwise i mean i this again this might be mean absolutely nothing to anyone else or the writers or anything but show me any other evidence that she's gonna go back to trevor <laughs> I know. Because the last time we left off, he was a deadbeat. And then, well, I guess we also do see in The Girl Who Cried Wolf, mm. we do see Trevor come back. We do. And he is very helpful in the sense that he's like, oh, Benji called me. I'm going to take him with me. But mm-hmm. Sharona's still very defensive. Exactly. No, he's going to stay here with me. And as soon as I'm fine, you know, he's going to come back with me and all this stuff. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, even then, as helpful as Trevor was being, when she thought she was going crazy, she still didn't want to give Benji up. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, that's another piece of evidence where you're like, yeah, she does not like this guy. Yeah, no. So that was that's just my little spiel on Sharona and Trevor, um, which leads us into our last monk relationship of the season. Miss Natalie Teeger. So we have one of the most significant relationships of the entire series forming in season three, which is um, Natalie Teeger, as she is introduced. We see in the Red Herring episode, she comes to be his assistant, and then Monk immediately bonds with her daughter, Julie, as well. And we see that Natalie sort of is, like, 
she has a tough persona. She's tough like Girona is in this season, but it slowly morphs away in the later seasons. But as it pertains to this one, we really see her not quite settled and more uh, getting to learn all of Mr. Monk's needs. And she's still determining whether she can even handle the job or not. Yeah, because we do see a lot of issues where he doesn't pay her enough. Yeah. And her his checks bounce or uh, she doesn't get reimbursed for her expenses. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so she, I think I want to say it's in the Cobra where she quits, I think. Yep. She quits, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we see her quit. Um, yeah, she's trying to figure out if she can even do this job based on her salary, based on all of Monk's quirks and all these things that obviously we already know. Sharona already knew. But it's it's really interesting. And then I want to say that we watched um, we watched the bonus content. They talked about how when Trailer Howard came onto the show, mm-hmm. they were trying to figure out if Monk would like kind of digress a little bit or if he would need Natalie to uh, help him back up. Or if when she comes in, if Monk is just kind of okay with Sharona leaving. So I feel like they chose the latter and that he doesn't really go back down. He's kind of like, okay, I guess I have to find a new assistant. And so she comes on and it's like, imagine how much more in trouble Mr. Monk would be if he had been, like, super, super depressive or, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, had even more OCD. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she kind of, like, looked out on. Because when Sharona got him, he was very, very was deep, terrible. you know? So, Because I think they met after Trudy died, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She, Sharona gets him after that. Yeah, like, she's so. the one that gets him out of his... Depression. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely after Trudy died. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of like good. It's I think it's I think it was a smart writing decision to make him not so dependent crazy yeah. because then it's like who would take care of him besides another nurse? Mm-hmm. He was more ready for an assistant at this point. So, exactly. um, so yeah, so she, she kind of, you know, she's not quite I don't think she's quite settled in. Like we said, she, mm-hmm. obviously her. Persona changes and her role changes too. Yes. So, but um, yeah, that's the transition from Sharona to Natalie. That's Miss Natalie Tiger, and I think, I think we're done with all of our little monk isms. I think that's it. Yep. All right. I guess that was good enough. Okay. So let's start with our draft pick. Right, we're gonna do this. It's it's our draft pick countdown. So we're gonna go through all sixteen episodes, but we laid out all the papers all over the table. Yep. Savannah chose first, so she's gonna go last. We went through, picked out each episode that we wanted for our little team, and um, yeah. So let's get started. I'm going to start with my number eight episode, which is Mr. Monk Takes His Medicine. So this is the ninth episode in season three. In the open, we see the captain and Disher on the streets of San Francisco taking in a known criminal, Dewey Albert. 
During the arrest, some rapid gunfire goes off, shooting toward the police, and a bullet hits Captain Stottlemyre in the shoulder. Meanwhile, we see Adrian in Dr. Kroger's office, extremely depressed that he is a broken person. When Sharona comes and interrupts the session to relay the news about the captain, Monk snaps out of it to help Disher pursue a suspect. But when they almost catch him, Monk lets the criminal get away due to a phobia, and his depression comes rushing back. He decides to finally give in and begins taking some medication that Dr. Kroger suggested he try. While Monk's inability to detect anything increases over time, they discover the gun that was used to shoot the captain was registered to Marlene Highsmith, a woman who had committed suicide around the exact time of the captain being shot. So how did her gun end up there when she was jumping from her apartment? Well, her ex-husband, Lester Highsmith, had received a phone call from Marlene saying that she couldn't live with the guilt of committing another armed car robbery with him. She also said she had left a note explaining it all in her apartment. After she's dead, Lester knew that he had to get into her apartment to retrieve the note. When he arrived, he saw the police already on the scene, so he created a diversion by shooting at the first cop he saw, Stottlemyre. When the police were diverted, he snuck into her apartment and rewrote her suicide note. Monk stops taking his medicine just in time and discovers the old note had been carbon copied on a placemat at the kitchen table. The note also explained when Lester was going to commit another crime within minutes. The gang races to the other side of town and are able to stop him before he kills another guard. So that was Mr. Monk Takes His Medicine. So, Savannah, what did you like about this episode? What I liked about this episode, honestly, one of my favorite things was when Randy stepped up. Because what he did, mm. basically, was he had to take over because he was directly under Stottlemyre. Or so, since Stottlemyre was out, they had to go with Randy. And I just, I like how he really kind of put away all his weird, dumb things that he says and does. Yeah. And really took charge like he was supposed to. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of question about how did Randy even become a lieutenant because of all the dumb stuff that we see him do. But I think that it's instances like this where you're like, well, you know what? When it really counts, he is a good police officer. I think it, it. my theory is when they give him too much time to think, that's when he gets himself <laughs> into trouble. Yes. But I, I would assume he was a pretty good like beat cop, mm-hmm. right? And moving his way up the ranks. But now that he's a lieutenant... He still does have to do cop things, obviously, but it's like he's more of like under the captain and yeah. then he he has too much time to think about theories. <laughs> and, I know. Um, like, yeah. Jeez, we see that a lot in this yeah. season. Yeah. Randy. So I, I, I have that on my list too, but I'll do something else. So this was in the bottom of mine for a reason, um, but I will say that there were funny parts. I feel like but they were before he becomes the monk mm-hmm. because... You know, he becomes a jerk, and that's not yeah. that's not really nice. I mean, whatever. So anyway, the funny parts, I feel like, were before he, he gives himself that title. I kind of put that as my, like, stopping point of it. Like, yeah, this isn't funny anymore. Um, when he goes to the hospital where the captain is, and he eats his food. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you can throw it away. And he starts eating it. And then they're, I think they're at the crime scene. And they're like, do you see anything? And he's like, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> like, he has those few little moments where, okay, it's funny. But then once he becomes the monk, not so much. Yeah, like this whole episode, it was in my bottom as well because of how uncomfortable it made me. Especially, um, I suffer from secondhand embarrassment a lot. <laughs> so watching this episode was terrible for me. 
especially in the end where he's at the hotel and he's in the pool and he starts messing with the teenagers and the teenagers trick him into playing Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. And so while he's swimming with his eyes closed saying Marco and then he opens his eyes and none of them are there. I hate watching that part. I always have to skip it because that has happened to me before. Wait, is this what you did like? This is what, not what I liked. Oh. <laughs> well, I thought we were still on what Dang we it. liked. <laughs> I was like, I oh, man, I have that in my dislikes. So then you're like, I hated that. I'm like, that's what I wrote. Wait, are we on our least favorite part? <laughs> I lost track because I got distracted by my chewy sandwich. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it. No, it's okay. Then I, I won't say that. I might didn't like then. Um, I like when... I like that Sharona takes her nursing role seriously. Not that she doesn't, yes. but I just like that part when she's genuinely mad. Like, you took that medication without me. I'm your nurse. What were you thinking? Like, I really yeah. like how she kind of is being tough on him, which is, you know, obviously Sharona's signature. Exactly. But I love that part because I'm like, she's just trying to get through to him. It reminds you of what she is because I used to forget that she was a nurse when I was watching the show. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. There wasn't... There was not a lot that I liked about this episode. Like it, it wasn't a, it was not a bad episode at all. It was really interesting to watch. It was nice looking into the psyche of Monk. Mhm. Yeah. So, okay, I know I said I didn't like the Monk parts or whatever, but I did write down two things. Um okay, there's three. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so the little things just real quick. There's one where when he's in the restaurant mm. where he they're getting burgers or whatever and he he sees this guy kind of do like the Justin Bieber like hair swoop and then Monk sees him doing that so he does the same thing even <laughs> though he has no hair and then also when he's sitting across from the guy who ends up selling him the car mm. the guy's like uh you have some ketchup on your uh shirt and he and Monk just <laughs> like look looks down at it and he's like looks and he's like so anyway (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny but like his old self tried to peek through a little bit and then the monk was just like no yeah i think he might have even said who gives a crap i know (laughs) i know (laughs) it's like it's fine i don't care and then the last one (laughs) again he's such a jerk but it is funny (laughs) when he jumps in the car like sideways and then she's like, "Why are you going to? Why are you going to New Orleans? It's not Mardi Gras for like another nine months or something." And he's like, "Wherever the monk, monk is, is, it's, it's Mardi, Mardi Gras." Gras. <laughs> oh, okay. The monk is a little funny. I admit it. Fine, you heard it. You heard it. There's proof. Okay. One random super side note. I've been watching a lot of The Office lately, um. and I kind of established that Monk on meds equals Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, golly, that's, how is this not everything <laughs> Michael Scott would do? This is crazy. What? So, am I, am I wrong? No. Okay. <laughs> why, why can't I just picture Monk going, well, 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 how the turntables... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh man. Now I'm on what I didn't like. So you already said about the Marco Polo thing. Yeah. 
It was too okay. close to home for me. Obviously, the super depressed monk. Mm. I know it's like a setup for the storyline. They always do this. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's about him taking medicine, so he's got to be super depressed, which, again, kind of would have to be... Something would have to change for him to ha- want to take this medicine. Exactly. So I, I get it. But it's like a glimpse of his life, like, when he's not taking down criminals. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be like if the episode... You know what I mean? Like, it's like somewhere in between his life where we're like, oh, we get to see Monk all the times where he's, like, solving a case. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, kind of watching him just, like, on a regular, like, Tuesday. And you're like, oh, gosh. This like, episode this was too real for terrible. me. Terrible. Yeah. It's really weird. Really real. Because I know people who suffer from, like, depression and anxiety. And it just... I don't know. Just not... Yeah. I, I will say that the line that kind of hit really close with me was the... I'm afraid of change, and mm. I'm afraid of not changing. And he cries, oh, my gosh, oh. with Trudy. That's so sad. And I'm like, ugh, I've definitely felt that feeling. Um, so, yeah, definitely too close to home. I like to I like to be happy when I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can, ha- I can have some sad parts. Like, yeah. it, it, makes, it makes for a much more well-rounded show. But I will say this is one of the absolute, like, low lows. So, not cool. Anyway, so I'll move on. Uh, do you have anything else for what you didn't like? Nope. Uh, so basically, we kind of already said this, but his medicine doesn't make his, like, quirkiness, like, subdued. It makes him act like a child. And I feel like there's, like, a fine line between carefree and being a child. Exactly. And I feel like that they cross that line too much. Mm-hmm. As, like, the writers, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like they crossed the line maybe a, a little too much with the childlike ness mm-hmm. that is all next episode let's get through our bottom ones <laughs> sorry if these any of these are your favorites we're going for it all right so the next episode is mr monk goes to vegas this is the bottom of my list and in this episode it's the 14th episode in season three, and in the open we see a Vegas hotel owner named Daniel Thorne and his wife Cheryl leaving their penthouse suite at the Monticello. They are exiting their private elevator when they realize they forgot some tickets upstairs. Cheryl goes up to get them when the elevator closes shut on her signature long scarf. She screams for help, but when she reaches the top floor, it's too late, as she has been strangled to death. Monk is summoned to Sin City by Stottlemyre, who calls him with proof that Thorne has murdered his wife. But when Adrian arrives, he finds his fellow cop buddies with Leland hungover in a trashed hotel room. The captain can't even remember calling him, and we see him retrace his steps from the night before to jog his memory. The only clue he is able to find is a woman who tells him that he was shouting, They don't match! all night. Monk is convinced that the wife was in fact murdered and is very convinced when he himself is strangled by a scarf going up the elevator and can't even let out a sound, let alone a scream like Cheryl had. He gets his final clue when Thorne makes a comment about his friends in the sky. He did have a friend in the sky during his wife's murder. Thorne had killed his wife on the way down the elevator and his mistress had climbed down through the access panel in the ceiling. The mistress played the role of Cheryl, showed her face in the lobby, and when she went back in the elevator, placed Cheryl's already dead body back with no one the wiser, except the captain. He finally remembers what doesn't match. The earrings. The two women were wearing different sets of earrings. Thorne and his mistress are busted, and the gang heads home. All right, so that was Mr. Monk Goes to Vegas. 
Okay, so what did you like about this episode before we tear into it? <laughs> okay. Um, actually, okay, not gonna lie, I did have more things that I liked than what I didn't, but the things that I didn't like were so big that it's like, eh, it just kind of weighs, it kind of outweighs it. Mm -hmm. But I liked Stottlemyre retracing his steps, and it's kind of the premise of the episode, so it was fun, like, retracing where he had already been for something, like, that he already knew, obviously. Mm -hmm. And this is just a little funny line when he's trying to remember something and he's like, okay, so I, I definitely remember talking to a man. <laughs> or a woman. That narrows it down. <laughs> and Monk's like, so he says that, but then he says, so it wasn't a child. So it wasn't a child. And Sotomayor's like, could have been. <laughs> could it have, though? You're in a casino. I know. <laughs> like, what? Exactly. I thought that, too. I, I was it... like, uh, I, okay, whatever. It was just funny, so I wrote that. Okay, uh, what I liked... There wasn't a whole lot I liked. I liked that it was a different setting. I liked seeing drunk Stottlemyre. I liked that we got to see a bit of Natalie's backstory, kind of learning a little bit about her. I also liked seeing Monk having fun when he was gambling. Mm -hmm, that's true. That was a. I feel like that was a good confidence boost for him, uh, even though it was also bad because he couldn't tear himself away but it it was nice seeing him on a higher plane than he normally is mentally so it was just nice to see him more confident in himself yeah that's true um i like the i like the fact that i, I don't know i love monk's high moral compass yes so it's like oh gosh yes no drinking no strippers no gambling until of course he goes to help brandy um but another funny mm -hmm. line when he tries to oh they also have a they have a callback to Sharona. Oh, they do. Because he asks Natalie or he tells Natalie to be the victim and she's like I'm not doing that and he's like well Sharona was always the victim and she's like well I'm not Sharona and Monk says you know there's there's an old saying you know don't change anything ever ever and she's like that's an old saying and he's like I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> Oh, that's hurty. That is classic monk too. I love that. I also like Randy, of course, he gets in he gets in oh this gosh. debt. Which is kind of <laughs> annoying because I gambling problems are kind of annoying. Like sorry if you have a gambling problem, but I'm like, oh come on. Um and just in the sense of like, of course you're in Vegas, someone's gonna have a gambling problem kind of thing, you know what I mean? Not in the sense that they're not, you know, like credible or anything it's just like okay of course it's going to be randy gambling away thirty five thousand dollars you're like come on dude um but anyway so a funny part though is uh he's like yeah it's it's all in the book and natalie's <laughs> like oh you have a book so you can't lose <laughs> and then they, they come up to him again in the casino and he's like yeah yeah it's it's this don't worry about it it's, it says this in the book you know it ebbs and it flows and you know just right now i'm ebbing <laughs> you're like yeah okay there's no flow in that at all bro um is there anything else that you liked i really liked when natalie was flirting with the bellhop i just i don't know i don't know why i like seeing that in shows where a woman kind of takes advantage of her <laughs> feminine wiles her feminine wiles <laughs> she gives because not, not to get like political or anything but 
a lot of the times, like, women are, uh, women have been objectified by men for a long time, so it's refreshing to see a woman, like, using it for her own advantage. Yeah. It's, it's, it's refreshing. It's funny, I'm yeah. like, yes, Natalie, go! Yeah, it's like, if you're gonna do it anyways, I might as well get some info out of you, so exactly. whatever. There's another great moment where Captain is going to retrace his steps, and he finds this creepy old lady. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> I love her, but I hate her. It's like... Who's, who's like, I I know what you were talking about, but you have to sing for me like you did last night. And then so he's like up on the karaoke stage. And he's like. It's not she's away. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> she's like, turn around. Turn, turn around. around, I want to see a tush. <laughs> Where's the denim pants you were wearing last night? <laughs> That is so funny. And Monk's face just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah. And Natalie's okay. cracking up laughing. And that is my favorite. I know, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> He's like, lady. <laughs> and then she's like, all he said was they didn't match. And he's like, that's it. That's it. So, yeah. I want a dector. Okay, so another moment I liked is um, a hard-ass Monk moment, which is when he's talking to Thorn. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah. He's talking to Thorn, and he says, my wife was murdered, too. Yeah. So he's, he's like, basically saying, yeah, like, I'm on to you. Yeah. yeah. That was, was really like, good. You are a terrible actor, sir. <laughs> At least try to pretend like you're sad. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't like that in this show when okay. all the people... We're on what I didn't like, just in case. We okay. just, we're ebbing and flowing right into it. Here we are, okay. So what I did not like, uh, okay. I don't like, it's, and it's not just this episode, it happens a lot in a lot of the episodes, in the seasons, is the people who kill their spouse do a horrendous job at pretending that they're sad. Yes. Like, do you want to get caught? Are you stupid? I also just didn't like... Um, Mr. Muck and the Psychic. That guy's terrible. He's so He's such awful. an idiot. Like, yeah. I, lo- I like it. I like it because it's fun watching Monk sit there and go, that's a bunch of bullcrap. I would be terribly sad if, you know what I mean? Like terribly sad. Like, because Trudy... So he relates yeah. everything to that, like, eh, this guy's not sad this enough. This guy's not... He's like, you aren't crying. It's his, like, Trudy meter. I like that. <laughs> it's his Trudy meter. <laughs> you're like, ew. My nope, Trudy senses are going enough. off. That's his superpower. <laughs> Let's see what... Uh, oh, gosh. I. It just felt like this episode was really slow. And it just didn't really have a lot going for it. I didn't... I both... Like and did not like that it was a very Stottlemyre based episode because mm-hmm. we've had a lot of we've had a few Stottlemyre based episodes where he's like the main focus and they've been great. Yeah, exactly. This is this is that's a good point. Not a good one. Yeah, that is very accurate. That's very very accurate. Um, I know you kind of mentioned this before, but I didn't like that they said Natalie had a gambling problem. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't like, like that part. Yeah, well, because yeah. you said we learned more we about learned more. her, which is nice. But I don't like that they said she had a gambling problem. I thought that was random and, like, that never, ever comes up ever again, I don't think. How does she have time to... Okay, Natalie's pretty young. I know she has a daughter, but she Natalie looks very good for having an 11-year-old daughter. So, it, to me, it seems like she had her daughter at a pretty young age. And so they mention a lot of stuff that Natalie did 
a long time ago, and I'm like, how on earth yeah, like did you have like, time for all of this? Did you do hard time? And she's like, do you think I did hard time? hard time? And you're like, maybe. Maybe. Which she, which we learned that in Mr. Mo Goes to the Office, that she was arrested for, like, getting into a bar fight. Yeah. Or so, you know what I mean? So it's, like, something super random, and you're like, really? How, why does like, she have this, like, it feels like they're trying to make her too much like Sharona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't yep. make sense. She That's not her character. That's, that's not her personality that's whatsoever. Her personality. How nope. does she have time? She's nope. really young. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Did not like that they made that choice, but it's fine. Agreed. Um, yeah, I definitely have... That's not the most interesting episode. Um, and then the last thing is the face-off, of course, which we've talked about before, where mm-hmm. it's like... So his mistress looks like his wife. Yeah. They're supposed to be, like, famous people. Exactly. And you didn't notice the difference between the famous woman who's dead, whose picture is plastered on all the newspapers. Nobody real like, Stoudemire's like, the earrings don't match. I'm like, the faces don't match. The faces don't match. <laughs> like, it's a different woman. <laughs> I know. Also, if he did find a dancer in Las Vegas who just so happened to look... Exactly like his wife. What are the chances of him being able to seduce her? Mm, okay, well, that's... He's a very rich, rich man. Very, very, very rich True. man. So, that. But I liked your point more of... What was he doing? What Did he do- he yeah. purposely go look for a woman that looked just like his wife, yeah. or did his mistress just happen to look a lot like his, his wife? wife. <laughs> like how how did you did you make the murder plan first? Yeah, <laughs> which one did you do? And how much time do you have on your hands? Actually, and is the mistress next? <laughs> if you use her as a pawn to kill your wife. I know, I would have been concerned for her safety. Like, she knows. She she took part in it. Yeah. She is probably kind of a wimp. She doesn't have, like, a hard background or anything. She's not the one who decided to murder her. Yep. I don't... Yep. Okay. But, uh, between the scarf and the, like, the face-off mm-hmm. thing, it's just, I... I don't think the scarf's that interesting either. Yeah, no. It's something, uh, which we said this before, we, when we talked about it before, like, yeah, Vegas isn't that great. Like, the scarf thing is just, like, something you don't really care to know the result of. It, yeah. And, like, <laughs> You're just like, eh, care. whatever. It's not really believable. And it's like, eh. Okay, next is Mr. Monk and the Election. This is the 15th episode of season three. In the opening scene, we learn that Natalie is running for school board president and see her working hard at her campaign headquarters. She's working to fix her used copy machine when a sniper from across the street opens fire on her and her volunteers. The sniper only manages to hit the copy machine, and Natalie nearly quits, but decides against it to be a role model for Julie. Monk's biggest clue is the note the shooter left threatening Natalie and her campaign. He then becomes the next target when a grenade is thrown through his window. Natalie still pushes on with Randy as her bodyguard, and Monk is left to put the pieces together to save Natalie's campaign and her life. He finally does when he discovers that one of the volunteers, Jack Whitman, had folded a flyer in a particular way that was identical to the sniper letter. He also realizes he's done time, and when they do a background check, they discover he's just been released from jail. The captain is going to pick him up while Mr. Monk and Natalie are at the voting polls. When Monk figures out the final clue, Whitman had left an empty ink box there that had matched the brand of the copy machine that was all shot up. It turns out that Whitman was an illegal arms dealer, and when the ATF came to bust him, he began disposing of his incriminating documents. But one had been stuck in the copier, and it jammed up. When he realized Natalie had purchased it, his first idea was to shoot it, forcing her to get rid of it. 
When that didn't work, he volunteered so he could break into it, but that didn't work. His final attempt was to get rid of Monk with the grenade. They finally catch him trying to break into the machine and give the paper to the FBI to seal their case. So that was Mr. Monk in the election. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you like about this episode? I guess I liked watching Monk kind of have another spat with Harold. Yes. It was pretty funny. <laughs> that was funny. The return Go to of hell. Harold. You go to hell. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And that's so funny because that's what they said to each other the first time they met. They did. Monk says it first. And I think in this one, Harold says it first. <laughs> and then they say it back and forth. It's so funny. And then, of course, like we talked about already, the donuts. Oh, they argue yeah. about the donuts. But then it's funny because Stottlemyre smushes them. <laughs> and he. Yeah. Now it's one big donut. I still agree with Monk, though. It would have made more sense oh, for, absolutely. like, the flavors to be together. Oh, and then Sodomar explains it. Yeah. Monk's like, please, just please, just tell me that I'm not like that. And he's like, of course not, Monk. You put the donuts together logically. He put them in two rows. You put them with the flavors. Of course, of course. And Monk's just, like, so elated. so cute. That he's like, I thank you. It. Oh, my gosh, thank you. I, I just love that moment. It. That's so cute. Also, like, Randy as the bodyguard. It's oh, so cute. Gosh. He has two. I, I feel like they it. could have. I feel like they could have had some more comedy with that one. I know. That could like, have been funny. as slow and, like, eh, as this episode was, I feel like they could have, like, made, like, fluffed that up a little bit. But he throws the ball at the kid because Natalie goes <laughs> to, to throw it back to the kid. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just throwing back the ball. And he's like, not on my watch. And not then on my watch. throws the ball. And then the kid's like, <laughs> ow. Ow. <laughs> and then the other one, he, he tastes the lasagna before oh, Natalie. Gosh. He's like, hold on, could be poison. And he tastes like, it's good. It's good. Um, but yeah, I feel like they could have, I definitely feel like they could have come up with some more points than those two. Like, that that was that was comedy gold. That that They didn't tap into that, I don't think. Exactly. I liked seeing, I guess I liked seeing Natalie stand up for her daughter. It was just a nice little moment. It wasn't too interesting, but it just was cute. I liked seeing Natalie try to go out of her comfort zone to save something she cared about. Yeah, that's true. Um, I like the moment between Natalie and Monk where she confides in him about oh, Mitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I really like that scene. Mm -hmm. Totally forgot that was in there. Makes yeah. me sad. Yeah, it is sad. Um, what else? I'm, a, I, this, I'm, I'm about done. But the questions that Monk has for Harold... Oh God! He gets in, <laughs> he gets in line uh, to ask questions. They're all about Doctor Kroger, and he's like, "So you said that you had Christmas at Doctor Kroger's house, but Doctor Kroger's Jewish. Jewish. He doesn't celebrate Christmas." And he's like, "Well, actually, his first wife was Jewish. His fiance is Irish Catholic. Yeah, and she does celebrate Christmas." <laughs> and then Monk's just like staring at him, like. He never said anything about a fiance, and he's like, "Well, that's because he likes me." And then Monk's like, "Liar, liar!" liar. And then they're like, "Okay, that's enough." And then they're like, <laughs> "They're like, okay, Miss Teeger, you have thirty seconds to rebut." She's like, and she, she's like, "I don't know where Doctor Kroger is right now, but um, but let's say a prayer for let's him." Jeez, <laughs> uh, it was really funny. Oh, and the end of the episode where Harold wins and he breaks he breaks <laughs> Dr. Kroger on the stage. stage and you can tell it's funny and what's funny because 
we as the audience can tell how uncomfortable Dr. Kroger is. Yeah. But Monk, who kind of doesn't pick up on social cues, all he sees is, oh my gosh, Dr. Kroger did show up for Harold. He does like him more. So it's like, it sucks (laughs) for him. But like, at least we know as the audience, we get to realize like, yeah, yeah, no. He doesn't like Harold. Yeah, he doesn't like Harold either. That suck. Yeah. Just like you can't stand one of your own patients. Yeah. That's why you refer them to somebody else. Um, I'm already on what I didn't like. Same. It was... It was boring? I don't know. Yeah. Again, and it's... That's what sucks is, like... I feel like maybe there's some storylines where you're, like... Like, like for example, like, just the title of an episode. Mm -hmm. And you're, like, yeah, that probably is not a good idea. Like, Mr. Muck and the election, you already lost half your audience. You're like, oh. Uh, like an election? Uh, like, oh. <laughs> uh, but, like, Vegas, you think that exactly. should be good. Like, like, oh, that's exciting. You're like, at least with an election, you're like, eh, it's an election. Like, what mm-hmm. could happen like, or whatever. Like, what's going to come out of this? Kind of like Mr. Muck and the um, the candidate. Yeah. It's like, when you hear that, you're like, uh, Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I didn't like that they made Mitch a coward. I didn't like that either. I don't. What is up with that? That doesn't. We literally in Vegas, she has a gambling problem. In the election, Mitch is a coward. Like, what are they trying to do to her character? It's like they're trying to make her seem like not so perfect or something. But it's like, again, this stuff is in season three. Do they disparage her character that much in the later seasons? Like, I can't remember them doing that. They also hype Mitch up a lot in the later seasons. Like, he's a hero. Yeah. Like, it's like, they, it's like they discount that, like, later. It felt like, I don't know what audience member will understand this, but coming from, like, the anime community, there's a thing that we call where we make, like, our own characters. We make our backstory for our own characters. This feels like an angsty 12-year-old trying to make, like, the most tragic backstory for a character possible so that they can have brownie points yeah like it just seems Mm. it seems too too sad like oh woe is me also how does how does mitch how does him being a coward have anything to do with natalie's backstory so like that doesn't make any sense why would you try to make her seem like she's not perfect when her husband doesn't like that well what i didn't understand is why did she have to be a role model because her dad was because Julie's dad was a coward, they could have easily just said, basically, he's in the past. Who's going to be here for her now? I have to be here for her now. Her dad was a hero, so I have to be too. Not say, I have to do it because her dad was a coward. You're ma- you're trying to make up for him being a coward in the army by running for an election? Julie doesn't even know. So and what's what does the, it what, why the does, difference? What does it matter? Exactly. <laughs> like, Only just you do know. your best. Like yeah. No, this doesn't make any sense. Let's move on. Um, I don't like Monk's keep away story. That's really sad. Oh, it is okay. funny when you're yeah. watching him how he's kind of dissecting it, but again, it's yeah. like he does. It's because he doesn't understand what was going on. Like they were picking on him, or maybe he does. I don't know. But they're kind of, like, you know, when he's watching Little Kid, he's like, yeah. oh, that was a good match. That was a good match. And you're like, yeah, that was not a match. That the kid was being bullied. It's like, that's one thing. You ha- can't be attached to any hats or something like that. You have to have a lot of yeah. hats, and you can't get attached to any of them. I'm like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We talked about this earlier, but he wouldn't get into the booth to vote. Yeah. 
Like, uh, yeah, leave the curtain open. Or even if you're claustrophobic, I feel like that would motivate you to go faster. So just fill in the circle. Yeah. And I wonder if they wouldn't have, like, maybe maybe more so nowadays than back then, but, like, have something for someone with a disability. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go into yeah. the thing. Can I have it? Something that's, like, open. Because I know where I vote, it's not a voting booth. They just have big, um, like, machines yeah, where you're do. not inside of you're not inside of anything. You're just yeah. standing there, and you just kind of have like a little partition between you and the person that's next to you. So whatever, whatever. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I feel like this is a plot hole. This guy, Jack Whitman, mm. he does all of this to get a piece of paper that was jammed in a copier when. Who's going to read that? That's a Like, if thing. I had taken that piece of paper, honestly, if I had taken that piece of paper out of a copier, I would have thought it was, like, a joke. Like, I would have thought, like, I don't even know if I would have read it. I probably would have. Yeah. I probably would have read it. But I wouldn't have looked at it and thought, like, oh, my gosh, this has anything to do with a crime. No. I would take, let me take this ripped up piece of paper to the police. That was one of the main... I totally forgot about that. That's what I wrote down once. I did not like the villain of this episode. It made no sense to me. I still... It was confusing. I still technically don't even know what he was really after. Yeah, he was after the piece of paper but that said like... It says like uh, bombs and guns and stuff on this piece of paper... And it's, like, going to incriminate him for the FBI. Yeah. I'm just like, that, that doesn't... It's not even a clever it thing. It wasn't... It's not even... Like, talk about a filler episode. Yeah. Like, this is just to get you to the last episode. <laughs> it is, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, it is. It's not Boyne at all. They had already planned the one after this, and they are like, <laughs> we have to have something. We can't have only 15, 15 episodes. episodes. <laughs> you have to have an even number. It's what Monk would want. Yeah. Um, I'm done with this one. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I don't like that one. So, Mr. Monk and the Cobra. This is the 11th episode in season 3, and in the opening we see an author, John Ricca, watching himself on television promoting his book about the late Sunny Chow, a martial arts movie star. His book claimed that he was a fraud and didn't do his own stunts. We then see someone bust through the door dressed in a black ninja uniform with nunchucks. Ricca asks the assailant if he's Sunny Chow but never gets an answer, because he's killed in the attack. At the crime scene, Randy has the obvious theory that Rika was killed out of revenge for defaming Chow's name. However, Monk thinks something is up when the murderer leaves his weapon behind and exits the building on camera in the elevator. Also, there's a DNA evidence left at the scene, a few strands of hair, which is peculiar because the assailant was wearing a hood, but nevertheless they test it and it comes back a match for the late Sunny Chow. They get the green light to exhume his body, but when they open the coffin, Sunny is in fact inside. Monk and Natalie then visit a Sunny Chow museum and discover that a hairbrush with Chow's hair had been swapped for a new brush. Now they know someone has framed him for sure. Monk catches another break when Natalie hits him on the back with the pillow that was in Sunny's casket. Instead of it being soft like a regular pillow, it's hard, so Adrian knows something is up. It turns out that in the pillow were some diamonds. A known criminal named Chris Downey worked for the cemetery where Chow was buried. He was almost convicted six years ago of robbery, but they could never recover the diamonds he supposedly stole. It turns out they had been placed by Downey in Chow's coffin pillow. 
He planned to dig up the body himself, but when a giant memorial was placed over the grave, he had to come up with another plan. Frame Sunny Chow. His plan almost works when he buries Monk alive and tries to make a deal for his return. Instead, he drops dead of a heart attack, and they find Monk just in time. So that was your number seven episode. Yes, that was my number seven. Right, okay. We have not been saying names, so apologies, <laughs> but that was her number seven episode. So... Uh, one of the things I liked about it was, it, again, not one of my favorites. I liked it more than the others just because it was more interesting. It kind of makes you wonder, oh, how did this happen? I liked the kind of homage to, like, Jackie Chan and all of them, like, those stars, Bruce Lee and stuff. Yeah. But my main thing, one of the only reasons I put this kind of higher on the lower end of my list is because the bad guy is played by an actor who plays Crowley in Supernatural, which is one of my favorite shows. Huh. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. And so I remember I watched Supernatural before I watched this episode, and I instantly was like, oh, that's Crowley! Oh my god, that's Crowley! Oh, that's it's, so funny. We actually so... have uh, a listener who watches Supernatural, and on one of our segments, she pointed out, like, hey, you missed one of their actors he was from supernatural and i was like oh i don't watch that show and noah doesn't either so castile (gasps) castiel oh castiel oh so i was saying it wrong my bad yikes castiel okay well i'm making up for Uh, it because savannah is a supernatural fan i love i love it i love castiel what do you remember what episode it was he played michael karpov in the is it the is it mr monk and the big reward i remember that episode it's where the, it's the one episode where they find the diamond under the table. It's the big reward. The bi- yeah, he's it's the, the big reward. he's pushing his kid. I remember that. I remember watching it like last year, and I remember going, oh, "That was Misha Collins. That's yep. Castiel." Oh Got my gosh. It. Okay, we're having a full circle moment here Yay. at the Junk Monk Podcast. <laughs> All right, so this is Natalie's first official scene as. Like, the assistant, mm-hmm. right? Like Yeah, this is right after the red herring. Yeah. So we established that Monk doesn't pay her enough. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she makes... Like, I'm talking about, like, the first scene that she's in. She establishes Monk doesn't pay her enough. She makes a comment that she's not Sharona. Don't compare me to anyone else. I'm my own individual. So I would assume that that's a big, um, like, a nod Towards her, like, coming into her new role and maybe Mm -hmm. everyone comparing her to Sharona. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if maybe just the writers just said that or if maybe they had gotten some type of feedback or something that was like, you know. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Oh, I liked uh, the little moment he had with Trudy. Oh, in the coffin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sorry I hit you with a death pillow. I remember that. He was like, you hit me with a death pillow? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hit you with a death pillow. Yeah, that was funny. I I love saying death pillow, just (laughs) randomly. So this is actually my last thing also that I liked. But the scene where he's in the, like, place where Sunny Chow, like, grew up or whatever in that, like, Uh monastery thing, whatever that is, there's a small part that I do like of that scene where the master 
you know, is like the the head guy or whatever. Yeah. He's actually a very intuitive, insightful guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I always just like, oh, the scene. But when I was like, you know, taking notes for it, I was like, I actually really like that part where he's like, I sense a dark force. Yes. Not a dark, you know, dark force, but a darkness. Uh, yeah. Dark like, there's a darkness in you. And he gave him the gift of light. Like, mm-hmm. it was just very, like, a very cute thing. Like, yeah. you're, like your curiosity is good and you're, you're on a quest. And, you know, the truth is your light and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then he says it's a gift and a curse. And, a <laughs> and he's curse. like, yes. That's what, thank you. That's, that's what, what I, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I so, yeah, it. that's my, that's actually my last thing that I liked. So. All right. One thing I definitely disliked coming off of that character. I don't like when he says, Miss Natalie, he is your master. You must obey him. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, she needs to learn that there is more value than money. And I'm like, sir, you live on a place run by donations. This woman <laughs> is raising a child. I don't know why. For some reason, yeah. what is wrong with that sexist? Yeah, to that me? part is always Just really annoying that to me. That always too. makes me mad. Without fail, I always get so upset. Yeah, I I get that. Um, there's this really super out of character moment for Monk when they're in the place where they're talking about the death pillow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I guess it's where they take Sunny Chow's body. And so in this room, there's all these different jars full of, like, human organs. Oh, yeah. And he, like, bends over to look at one, and he's like, look at this beautiful spleen. And this this pancreas yeah. is so awesome. And you're like... I remember that. Like, no. What? And Natalie's like, this place is grossing me out. And he's like, what a beautiful spleen. And they're like... No, what? That is the most out of character monk thing. Like, could you explain to me how any of his character traits would make him like a human organ inside of a jar? If he is terrified of naked people, what makes you think he's gonna like seeing anything less than that? He like, doesn't like gross things. Yeah, like he, that's gross. That's, I don't. That is I gross. don't really understand that. So he can't stand little kids picking their noses, but he's okay with seeing organs in a jar? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I feel like we could come up with so many reasons that he wouldn't like that. Exactly. Not reasons that he would like that. I feel like they maybe were just trying to establish how Natalie isn't used to seeing dead bodies, mm. and that just wasn't a good way to do it. Yeah, there's, there's other ways they could have done that. Oh, well, it's fine. And there's just, in general, not a lot of funny parts yeah, in this episode. Yeah, it very funny. Yeah. And then, okay, I, I actually honestly have a few more, but this episode is just so eh. I'm just going to skip them. But the one thing I do want to say is that, is this, like, lazy writing or something? In the, um, in the summation where they show you, like, what happened, yeah. that guy... Did not put those diamonds in the pillow, for one. He just threw he, them in the coffin. Yeah, he did. He just kind of... He just tosses them in the coffin, so they weren't in the pillow. But then how convenient, how convenient, I'm stressing this, that this guy has a heart attack. What kind of writing is that? I don't know. It's like literally they had to, they're like, okay, we need to, I guarantee you this is what they did. Prove me if I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> They guarantee you what they did was say, we want Monk in a coffin. How do we get him in the coffin, buried alive, without knowing where he is at? And then, like, okay, like, they're looking for him, but then they also had to sum up the crime. And, like, and no one, like, the guy who did it isn't going to tell them where he is. 
-hmm. so how are we going to get rid of this guy <laughs> or something? Like, why couldn't the guy have just, like, why couldn't they have just locked him up and then put him in jail? I guess because their, their thing was like, well, we should try to do something to get the information out of him. So besides, like, Stottlemyre just, like, being like, look, dude, I'm going to shoot you or something if you don't tell me where Monk is. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like that's the problem maybe they were trying to fix. Like, well, we can't just have Stottlemyre, like, beat the information out of him. So how about he dies and then they really don't know where he's at and then he can be in the coffin for longer or something. I, I'm just like, I kid, your solution was to, to make him have a heart attack? I can't think of, like, right now, I can think of a better way to do it. They're chasing him down in his truck and they're shooting at his tires and he gets into a wreck and he dies in the wreck so they can't get any information out of him. There you go. Yeah, it just wasn't great. Writing no. was lazy. Only good thing, guy from Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even watch that show. So then for me, that was absolutely nothing. Exactly. So there's that. All right, let's move on. Okay, so my number six episode is Mr. Monk Gets Stuck in Traffic. This is the 13th episode in season three. In the opening scene, we see an environmental activist meeting with a business owner, Ray Gallardi, about a new shopping mart Gallardi wants to build. The activist wants to save an endangered species, which Ray cares nothing about. When the activist won't budge, Gallardi hits him on the head, killing him. He then takes the activist's car and sticks it in the back of his construction truck. He then drives away, car in tow, and waits until the road is clear to dump it on the highway. This creates a huge pileup with Natalie, Monk, and Julie being among the many drivers. While Natalie nurses an injury, Mr. Monk goes to investigate the accident. He quickly realizes something is amiss when he never saw the crashed vehicle passing them on the road. He tries to convince law enforcement, but they won't hear it. When Gallardi figures out that he accidentally switched his phone with the victims, he must go back to the scene to retrieve it. He then murders a paramedic to steal his uniform and poses as him to get close to the scene. When he is called to care for Natalie, Monk notices he isn't a paramedic at all, and after a helpful tip from the band Korn, Monk realizes he's the guy. When he tries to explain to the police again with no success, he ends up in the back of a squad car for trying to force his way onto the case. Natalie takes it upon herself to investigate the back of Gallardi's construction truck and finds the evidence that the activist had been in there, but Gallardi drives away with Natalie still in the back. At the same time, the head officer discovers the dead paramedic's body and realizes Monk had been right all along. He and Monk chase down Gallardi in the police car and save Natalie from being dumped from the truck. So that is Mr. Monk Gets Stuck in Traffic. And that, again, was my number six episode. So what did you like about this episode? I really liked this episode. When I first was making, like, my list of favorite from least favorite, I put this one, like, way down there. But then I watched it again when I was rewatching the season. And it just, it was very fun to watch. So I like the overall absurdity of it i like the kind of fish out of water scenario with monk because he doesn't have jurisdiction there i mean he doesn't have jurisdiction anywhere but um, right yeah he doesn't know these people they don't know him he's kind of in this new place on the highway there's so many people and a lot of interesting characters who weren't interesting enough to be reoccurring but interesting enough to where i could watch them like, the lawyer that he kind of teams up with, mm -hmm. I thought that that little partnership he had was really interesting, and it was really fun to watch, especially with the lawyer being such a character. Mm -hmm. 
I also liked, I liked that Korn was in it. I don't like a lot of their songs because their songs scare me, <laughs> but I appreciate them as a band and I like some of their songs. So it was just nice to see like them in a show and how chill they were and they just seemed like pretty cool, pretty cool dudes. Yeah, I have, uh, that was definitely a blast from the past, <laughs> from my childhood, um, but I thought it was cool that they actually helped with the case. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. And then, yeah, Garrett Price, I feel like he was a really good comic relief when uh, Natalie was supposed to be, like, injured, so she wasn't mm. with him. So yeah. he basically is Monk's sidekick for the whole episode. So, and he has a lot of, he has a lot of the comedy in the episode. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> Um, also the two way street thing. Oh yeah. So Natalie, like she's that. only like four episodes in and she's starting to understand Monk's like complete disregard for other people's feelings, mm-hmm. like as it pertains to like his own needs. So if somebody yeah. needs something, but him being inconveniences gets in the way of that, then like that's where the issue comes in. Exactly. But then she also discovers that he will step up when needed. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we know this because we've seen it with Sharona in the past, but she never really has. So that's cool that, like, she learns that. And also when he goes to save her and he shoots the the, the hydraulic fluid out of the, the dump truck. And oh, he's hanging yeah, out the side that was of the window. cool. I really cool. liked that. Oh, I liked the odd, the odd villain of the story. Just kind of this, I liked how random it all was. It was random, but it was interesting random. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Like, the this just random activist and this... It was kind of, it reminded me of a lot of kid shows that were very pro-environment when I was younger, and it was like, oh, this bad guy is killing this person because he wants this plot of land for a shopping mall. Yeah. So it kind of took old school cartoons and raised the stakes a little bit with actual murder. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. And then the last thing that I have is like, when, like kind of what you were saying, like, you don't really know what's going to happen been as far as like because monk's out of his element and you don't know like he doesn't have jurisdiction and all this thing so when he gets out of the car and he starts walking towards the thing there's all these people just like having parties and whatever yeah and someone's like hey we're gonna have a party in five minutes pass it on and then so he goes to the very next car and he's (laughs) like there's going to be a party in that blue 1985 whatever car and in five minutes pass it on i love that i was (laughs) like that's so cute cute. he doing his best i just loved the lawyer character lawyer character was fun yeah he was super like wait don't hit him. But if you do, give him one of these. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to go into what you didn't like? Yeah. Okay. Angry truck driver. That was one I... of the random parts that I did not like. I did like, not like her. I don't like her. There's a funny part whenever she gets him to say that he was in love with her, which <laughs> is funny. Um, but the fact that, she, like, the lawyer was a necessary character. Mm-hmm. You needed his comic relief. She was an unnecessary character who wasn't really funny at all. She gives Monk a tiny little bit of funniness, but other than that, she's not funny, so she's completely unnecessary. When he tries to hide his voice. <gasps> oh my <laughs> gosh. That is so funny. Because uh, he's they're standing there for a while. They are. And he's, he's not saying anything, but you don't really notice it until he's like, hey, she's like, hey, what about you? She's like, your detective, help me find this guy. And he's like, uh... I would like to, but I'm uh, so busy now. (laughs) (laughs) The lawyer's like, you need a lozenge or something? (laughs) 
only good thing that she brought to this episode. Oh like, my gosh, that is really <laughs> funny. I, I also didn't like her because, um, as a person who lives in a very, very busy, bustling city, I do not appreciate terrible drivers, and it made me upset that Monk got bad karma for reporting a bad driver that could have killed somebody. That did not sit well with me. Yeah, I don't like that she gets to keep her job. I know! I'm like, she legit could have killed someone. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And she's a repeating offender, too. Yep. Like, she didn't make one mistake. She didn't make one mistake. She yeah. does it all the time. Yep. They have an issue with her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fire her. I'm sorry. Yep. Of course, Monk's oblivion to Natalie's injury. That, oh, that sucks. Was, yeah, like, I, I mean... Him busting the ink in his shirt. That's funny. That was funny. That's really funny. <laughs> He's like, like oh, oh no. Oh. Like, oh my gosh, Mr. Buck, are you okay? It busted. <laughs> like, and she's like, oh, oh my gosh, my wrist. And she's like, oh, she's like, what do you think happened? Oh, uh, I think the cartridge must have exploded. <laughs> I made with the round. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last thing that I didn't like was the angry cop. You have angry he was truck charger, unreasonably angry. and angry cop. He yeah. was unreasonably angry. Like I understand being annoyed, but what I feel like you should some have some consideration when this guy tells you, "Hey, I am no longer in the police force, but I am a former detective. Here's my badge or whatever." Yep. But he got real angry real fast, and I feel like that should not have happened. As a police officer, he should have handled the situation with more tact and if they kept pushing and pushing and pushing because they did keep pushing but I feel like the very end I can understand him yelling towards the end but like at the beginning of the episode yeah he yells at him at the very beginning when there's like a ton of people snooping around the you can see like tons of people are walking around yeah. and him and the lawyer are just kind of like looking and he's like oh I think there's something wrong and the guy's like you should listen to this man blah blah and he's like no you guys need to get out of here no and then cut to the scenes a few later like what and cut to a few scenes later and Monk goes back to help and he's like no but you don't understand this guy is not a paramedic blah 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 and then the cop goes off and he's like I have been very patient with you sir but you need to get back and I'm i was like, like no you haven't not you have not been patient, patient. <laughs> you never started off by being patient so you yeah. never once were like sir please i understand your concern but i need i'm gonna have to ask you to step away from the vehicle like this is none of your concern he didn't do that he was like step away from the vehicle. <laughs> like, that's, that's a pretty good impression <laughs> that was actually pretty good all right you ready for the next one yep so this is my number six episode this was higher but it's Mr. Monk meets the Godfather. This is the fifth episode in season three. In the opening scene, we see some men in the barber shop. In front, we see a barber and a patron getting a haircut. And in the back, we see three more men counting large stacks of money. Another man walks in off the street and sits waiting for his turn. Then we see the barber head to the back, leaving a towel over the patron's face. When the patron hears a strange noise, he yells at the walk-in, what are you doing? The walk-in then opens fire on everyone in the shop, killing them all, and gets away quickly. Monk is called in on the case by Salvatore Lucarelli, a mob boss who is very upset that his men have been taken out. Adrian is reluctant to take the case until an ATF agent promises to help get his badge back in exchange for getting in with the Lucarellis. Monk's first break in the case is a witness who works at the U.S. Mint named Phil Bedard. 
He says he saw someone in with the Chinese mafia symbol on their jacket enter the barber shop. But when Monk goes to question the Chinese gang leader, he gets the feeling a potential gang war is all just a setup. Of course, he's right. He cracks the case when he visits the crime scene one more time and notices the gumball machine is missing. Apparently, Phil Bedard had stolen five rare coins from the U.S. Mint and was randomly followed upon his exit from work. He needed a quick place to hide them, so he used the five cents of the machine to come retrieve them at the later date. When he came back, he was caught by the patron and killed everyone else in the shop to cover his tracks. With Monk only solving the case of the homicide and pinning nothing on Lucarelli, he once again is disappointed with no hope of reinstatement in sight. So originally, I liked this episode because I like mob, like mobster stories. I like things related to the mafia, cartel, that kind of stuff, just like gangster stuff. I like that. So that's what originally drew me to this episode. But then I was watching it again and I was looking at the other episodes in comparison to it and I realized they didn't really do a good job at it. Just, it seemed over the top. It didn't seem like a realistic mobster story. It felt very cartoonish to me when it came to their like atmosphere of the mobsters. Yeah, and I don't like mob stuff like that at all. So that's why it was at the bottom of my list. Um, and it's funny because it, actually when I went back and took notes, I felt like I liked it more than I gave it credit for just because it had mob stuff in it. So it's like almost like backwards <laughs> like from what you just said. That's why it's um, closer on the list. <laughs> but it's not, it's, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the mob stuff for me. The other things make it better than that. Mm -hmm. So I liked Sharona in the episode. I liked kind of, I liked watching her kind of flirt with the guy I loved, I loved how she was so adamant about, he's not fat. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Can't you call him something else? Can't like, you call him, like, Big, big Tony? Tony? We already have a Big Tony. <laughs> um, I like when the Lucarelli, the head guy, is threatening, you know, no, without saying it, yeah. threatening to cut off his hand. <laughs> and he's like, are you right-handed? And he's like, yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm left-handed. Well, I mean... I'm ambidextrous. I'm ambidextrous. He's like, I use my left hand like all the time. All the time. And Sharona's like, yeah, you, you used your left hand just this morning. Just this morning. And then, and then he walks outside the restaurant after they're <laughs> done talking to him and he uses both hands. Or wait, is this maybe this is in the restaurant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He uses both hands to brush his his like. Not, he doesn't have hair, but, you know, like, brush it behind his ears. Yeah. He uses both hands. <laughs> and then, then he goes outside. And, and a he's, couple. he's talking to his hands. Oh, and this God. random couple walks by, and he's like, I love <sighs> you both. I never let anything happen to you. <laughs> and then the couple's like, what the heck? And he's like, I love both my hands. I love both my hands. And he, like, pitifully <laughs> holds up his hands yeah. to them. He was like, I love both my hands. And they're yeah. like, good for you? Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of walk away. Let's go. Oh, no. They go, let's find somewhere else to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes you real good with the Lucarellis. Oh, yeah. Um, You have the 99 push-ups. Or the, the, the pull-ups. Pull -ups. The pull-ups. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if I were doing them, I would go to 100. I dig deep, deep down. Deep down. And I do 100. 100. <laughs> and then the guy goes like 102 or something stupid. Yeah. He's like, what the? Now you have to do 98 more. more. Yeah. 
Um, also, like how protective Stottlemyre is over Monk. Yeah, he doesn't want him cute. to go undercover. He's like, no, this guy is a creep for one. And for two, you could die. And this guy's not going to get you your job back. Yeah. Like, no, don't. Uh, I like that. He's like, listen, he's like, yeah, why don't you tell him about the last undercover agent and how you're still finding the various body, body parts. parts? Yeah. Um, I like uh, Jealous Randy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he immediately, yep. when he sees Sharona with Fat Tony, yep. he's like, he's so jealous. <laughs> and then he claims that, like, he's a bad boy, too. Oh, gosh. I remember that. Well, also, they have a sweet moment at the end. Oh, That's yeah, really because sweet. she, uh, he's like, hey, I found this recording of a conversation in their car when we bugged their car. He's like, maybe you'll go easier on me. And she's like, not a chance or whatever. That was really cute. But then there's that part where he, they're at the crime scene with the gumballs mm. and he eats the gumball off the <laughs> ground. And Stalemar's like, what are you doing? Like, why that's, are you eating that? That's evidence. Oh, I, doesn't he say, why are you eating that? And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, evidence. And he's like, and it's been on the ground. The ground. <laughs> and then Sharona, because earlier he had said, like, oh, I'm a bad boy. Yeah. I'm dangerous. And Sharona's like, oh, yeah, you're dangerous. Yeah, you're when dangerous. he eats the gum off the floor. Yeah, it's been next to broken glass. And, uh, like, yeah. Oh, Randy. And then the last Randy Sharona thing is when Sharona is getting the pat down. Oh, gosh. From the guy, and he's, like, patting her down all slow and everything. And she's like, oh, you're very thorough. And then it shows Randy in the police truck, and he's like, ugh, and rolling his eyes. Oh, my gosh, that is so good. He's like, oh, Randy. That is so good. Is there anything else that you liked? Oh, I liked the ending where he was like, I made the boxes uneven. That'll oh, teach you. yeah. Yeah. Okay, now there's, okay, there's actually some funny parts. Okay, so... The one where they are trying to tell him all the options that he has to wear the wire. Oh. <laughs> and they're looking at the list and Sharona's like, they're looking at the list and they're reading like each option. And Sharona's like, what if you have to sit down? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And they look at the next one and he's like, even if I die, don't let them do number four. Don't let them do number four. And then Randy's like, what about number five? And Sharona's like... That's only for women. That's and like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know what number four was. And then, of course, he ruins the tie. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He, ru- he ruins the tie because he's washing it. And then he's like, so that's funny. But then at the very end, I think this is my last thing. At the very end, he's the tie is ruined. And so he's getting the confession from the guy. And he's like, all right, get him. He's like, okay, guys. Now, watch this. Get him. Okay, so then he's like, hang on, I'll be right back. And then so he goes to the van, and they're like, what? You got a confession? He's like, we didn't, all we have is static. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I got the confession. And then they're like, well, what are we going to do now? And Monk's like, okay, I'll just go back over there and say, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, dear. Um, Okay, so... What did you not like? I just didn't like how over the top the gangster stuff was. It didn't seem very realistic. I didn't feel... Whenever I watch mobster stuff, I like feeling the sense of danger. Like, oh, if I was in there, like, oh, they would be scaring me. That's true. That's true. I didn't get that for the... It felt like I was watching a Looney Tunes cartoon. I actually get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It was super, like, over the top, like... 
We already have a big Tony. Like, you you don't have to be over the top like that, guys. Come yeah. On. Okay. I actually get what you're saying. That's whatever. Um, I didn't like Sh- Naive Sharona. I didn't either. I'm like, girl, you of all people should know. Or, like, I didn't like... Okay, at least... she Because she says she was willing to date him because she's like, hey, at least with him... I already know he's a bad guy. Like, there's nothing to hide. But then she fell for the whole innocent act, and then she was shocked at the end when Randy showed her, like, the tape. And I'm like, I understand wanting to date him, but being so blind to, like, I don't know. I'm just like, why would you believe? Your excuse was, I knew he was a bad guy already, and then we're shocked when he was a bad guy. I know. That makes no sense. Child. Yeah. And then she also flip-flops when she says, what's the big deal? It's just the mob. Aren't you from New Jersey? Don't you know what the mob is? Like, they're and how more, dangerous that they are? They're more prominent in New York. That's where the Italian mafia is. Yeah. They run half the city. Yeah. It's terrible. And then, so then, after Stottlemyre's like, oh, yeah, they chop people into little pieces. They she's have- like... Yeah, you shouldn't take the case. I'm like, yeah, you like, knew that, though. Exactly. Like, you're from Jersey. You knew about the mob. Whatever. Okay, super random thing. Benji's long hair. Yikes. Oh, I remember that. That's gross. That? I don't like Benji. Cut your hair, boy. Cut your hair, child. And then my last thing is they would have totally checked the tie before he went out there to get a confession. Yeah, I don't... That. They would have, imme- as soon as he came outside, they would have immediately stopped him and be like, we only have static, what just happened? Yeah. Like, he wouldn't even get a chance to go over there yet. Because they'd be like, you, uh, we can't hear crap. What is happening? Yeah. Also, the confession would have been thrown out because it was coerced by the It was coerced. Guy. Like, it was so blatantly obvious, too. Unless he was willing to provide the coins... Which, I mean, I guess, that's, yeah. the only, that's the only yeah. thing I could think of, yeah, is if true. he could provide the coins. Yeah. But even then, what's to stop them from being like, oh, what if he just gave them to you? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I'm done with this one, you? Yep. The next one is Mr. Monk and the Blackout. Mm-hmm. So this is my number five episode. This is the third episode in season three. The opening scene, we see Monk, Sharona, and Benji settling in to watch the San Francisco Bicentennial Jamboree with country star Willie Nelson. When someone breaks into a power plant, sets off an explosion, and causes a citywide blackout. When it turns out that there were three people who died as a result, the case becomes a homicide. The gang heads to the plant where Monk is caught up on the case by Gene Edelson, the head engineer, and Michelle Revis, the PR rep for the plant, who becomes interested in Monk and asks him out on a date. Meanwhile, Randy and the captain find a letter that leads Monk to a suspect of radical from the 1990s named Winston Brenner. It is thought by the FBI that Brenner faked his own death in 96, so they question his oldest friend to see if he knows anything. He does, and the police questioning draws Brenner out of hiding, and he kills his old friend to keep him quiet. So now they know he's alive, they just have to find him. While Monk is on a date with Michelle, Sharona and Benji settle in once again to watch the Jamboree on television. As the show begins, the city is blacked out yet again. This time, Monk is stuck on an elevator with Michelle, who begins describing an even worse date she'd had been on with the engineer Gene Edelson, who took her line dancing and loves country music. When Sharona tells Adrian that her program was again interrupted, they order the tape themselves and watch it at home. When Monk sees Gene Edelson in the audience of the Jamboree, he solves the case. Edelson was, in fact, Winston Brenner. 
He had been blacking out the TV special so that no one would recognize him since he was supposed to be dead. He is captured when he breaks into Monk's house and the captain and Randy bust in to save the day. Woohoo! So that was Mr. Monk and the Blackout, my number five episode. What did you like about this one? I liked the progression of Monk's, like, mental state, how he was able to kind of get out of his comfort zone and ask a pretty lady out on a date. I liked how funny this episode was, too. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite scene. It's not my favorite scene. I'm sure there's another scene I like better, but the scene that I remember the most is when they're in the elevator after the blackout. And he's pressing the button over and over again, going, lobby, 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 lobby. They're like, the power's out, Mr. Monk. It's not going to go. You're right. Lobby, 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 lobby. <laughs> like, he knows. He just, it's, I don't know. He has, he just has to press that button. And I just, just. That, I actually, I really, really love that. Because they do that in the first scene. <laughs> so cute. Um, I like the note cards, right? Oh, They're hilarious. Yeah. I love the one that says San Antonio, Texas. That's funny. Bonk, it's just so heartbreaking. Like, the, he he misses the way that Trudy looks at him the most. Mm. That's so sad. Yeah. Like, we already kind of said all the Trudy cards that he says. But once he gets started on that Trudy train, he's like, she likes to go outside. She likes to do this. She likes to do this. And then he's like, I miss the way she looks at me the most. Mm. That's sad. Mm. I also liked the la- Like, I liked how the episode ended because she wasn't like fully she didn't have full disdain for him after their thing she even tells him when you get past whatever this is give me a call again mm-hmm. and we'll try yep she still likes him i'm yep. like oh i know i love that she's a lot better than okay so like yes. so michelle in the first scene i always thought that she was like aggressive but now I realize that I like how she, like, flat out says that she likes Mr. Monk, mm-hmm. unlike the other woman who kind of leads him on. Yeah. Because she has a husband, exactly. and she's not as overt about being like, I like you. I like Michelle. And, again, like, I always thought she was, like, a little much, like, oh, gosh, another woman who's, like, all up on Monk. And then I was mm-hmm. like, no. And then to tie in what you said, she's still so smitten with him at the end, and, like, she was just having a bad date. Yeah. Like, that was a terrible, terrible date. You don't make somebody walk up, you know, 52 flights of stairs on exactly. a date. Like, they should have just gone to a different restaurant. I know. Like, and I think she understands that there is something wrong with him. So, yeah. I think she she would like to try again going into the date with that information in yeah. her head. So, she has the patience. Yeah, exactly. I still blame Sharona. I'm still mad at Sharona. I'm like, yeah. why did you do that? Yeah, like I put Sharona struggling with the opportunity for Monk to date. Like, she's very encouraging, but knows that he has problems and can't date a normal person. Mm-hmm. And then whenever she says there's nothing wrong with him, she's like, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Another little random thing is whenever... He sees the hippie guy in the tree, oh. and he tries to give him some wipes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's like, Ralph Nader, Fidel Castro, Sting, all love the wipes. All love the wipes. Like, those are the people that you came up with, like, to lo- Sting. Fidel Castro? <laughs> like, what? what? I guess, what does he think that he's, like, a... A terrorist? Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, dude, he's I an activist. He's a hippie. I, he's I a hippie. I didn't get that part, but it was it was still cute because Monk doesn't know 
anyone who's it's like popular, relevant, anything. It's really it's cute. like hip hop, you know, hip hop, the hip hop, all the kids are doing it now. Oh, jeez. My last thing was how I thought it was fun how everyone was so excited for Monk oh, to go yeah. on the date. You had Stoltenmeyer. And she's like, oh, he can't go. He's going on a date. And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh. are you excited? And all that stuff. That's really cute. Yeah, I'm actually done. Did you, yeah. what did you not like? Um, there wasn't really anything I disliked about this episode. It's just, I liked the episodes that were, I like, the episodes that we're going to talk about next, I just like them more. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I And I feel like I kind of breezed through my likes, but I mean, I guess maybe because it's not a super funny one. Yeah, it's, it's not too funny. It's like, I feel like Michelle is nice. It's a nice kind of, like, change of pace. Where it's not like the other woman. The other woman was more at the uh-huh. bottom of our list. Yeah. And this one's, like, towards the middle because it's like, yeah, Michelle's better. Deal with it. Night vision goggles do not work with the lights on. As soon as the lights turned on, he would have seen nothing but, like, white. Yeah. And he would have known that something was wrong. Yeah. That bothered me when I first watched the episode. I was like, uh... Mm-hmm. That's not how any of this works. That was a funny scene, though. It's like, maybe I'm here. Yeah, he's like, ooh. We've got my ghost, ooh. Or something like, what? It's like, he got a little too happy with that. This one's like, I guess when we kind of tried to address this a second ago with, like, why this one wasn't so great, but I just saw my notes that I put Mopey Monk. Like, he kind of was mopey in this episode. Like, he kind of starts off, even when he meets Michelle, he's kind of mopey and, like, I don't know. Like, at the beginning, whenever the lights go off, he's like, where are you saying lobby, lobby, lobby? But before that, he was mopey. Yeah. So it kind of, like, starts off that way. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to Dr. Kroger, he's like, oh, you should date, and you should call her, and blah, 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 like, whatever. So, that's actually it for that one. So we're actually on our last episode of this like, our bottom half, right? Yeah. So this is your number five episode. Yes. Almost at the top. All right, here we go. So this one is Mr. Monk Gets Cabin Fever. So this is the 12th episode of season three. In the open, we see Mr. Monk, who should be waiting patiently in the car for Natalie, unable to fight his need to fix a crooked antenna on a nearby car. While fixing the antenna, he witnesses a Chinese mob killing, and the murderer stares down Monk. So, you know he's in trouble. Next, we see Monk deep in witness protection with a new look and alias. While Agent Grooms, the Captain, Natalie, and Monk get settled in, we see Randy back in the city on a date with his girlfriend Haley. As their dinner ends, we see the couple receive fortune cookies with Randy's reading, A friendly hand will save you from a dirty death. When the fortune quickly comes true outside the restaurant, they take note of the incident. And back at an FBI cabin, Monk tries to get comfortable, but becomes preoccupied with another murder. His neighbors across the way that he met earlier were quite a pair. When the first night, he hears a man crying for help. Monk quickly assumes that the wife has killed the husband. He, of course, is right, but Agent Grooms won't let them anywhere near it to protect Monk. Against orders, the captain gets them tangled in the case anyhow, and they become certain of the wife's guilt. We also see Randy and Haley again with another set of fortune cookies coming true. The last cookie he receives states, an old friend is in danger. He assumes it's referring to Monk and he heads to the cabin to save him. We then learn that Haley had been against him all along and was part of the mob family. 
Randy was now leading them right to Mr. Monk. At this point, they are wrapping up their case of the murdered husband. They just don't know how she did it. When Disher arrives at the cabin, they are surprised to see him, and Monk quickly pieces together that the mob followed Randy as the fortress had been hand-cut. Immediately, they are all fired upon, and as they dive to the floor, Monk and Disher give simultaneous summations of their respective cases. Monk realizes the wife electrocuted her husband in the tub, and Randy's been duped by his girl. So that was Mr. Monk gets cabin fever. I... This originally was lower on my list as well, but then I rewatched it again, and I just thought it was super cute. Yeah. It's just, it was, it's just interesting, because you're like, it's one of those where they show you how the murder happened, so you're just trying to watch them uncover it. It was pretty funny. I liked the ending. I liked um, seeing Monk out of his comfort zone again. I just liked the relationship he had with Natalie and Stottlemyre. It's Stottlemyre's birthday, and they get him a cake. And it's so sad, because the cake gets, like, messed up because they go escape the cabin. That's another thing. I like Stottlemyre's um, willingness to go with Monk. He's like, mm-hmm. well, this percentage is good enough for me. And he takes them, and they go. And it's I just liked that, and then... The hell he's like, oh, it's your birthday cake, and it's all squished. And she's like, happy birthday, Captain. That's so sweet. And Natalie, again, she's new. She is. So it's, it's very, I like that sweet touch that she gives him a cake when it's like, they don't really know each other that well. I know. They, they yeah. Just those, I liked watching just those three go on an adventure. That was really cute. Okay, that's funny because... I originally, like, I actually had a chance to pick this one, and at the last second, I put this next episode before it, and now that I'm, I was listening to the summation, and I'm like, oh, man, this was so good, but I realized that I actually, I would, I would like to have put it higher because of all of the Randy action. I liked watching him with his girlfriend. Randy was funny, too. I thought that the fortune cookie thing was very clever. Yeah, I like that. And that's the part that I like watching. I'm not a huge fan of them actually being at the cabin. Uh I like I don't know. I don't oh, I don't yeah. really like the scene with the where they leave and they go on the chase and they're like I don't know. I don't know why. And it's again, I don't it's not like I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's whenever I, you were reading it back I was thinking that's why I like this episode more is because of all the Randy stuff. I like the fortune cookie stuff. I don't the fortune know. cookie stuff was really interesting too. Like that was the um I guess that was the thing that kept the episode interesting, whereas the monk, Natalie, and Stottlemyre stuff was just like fluff, like cute. Yeah. It was just kinda okay. cutesy. I'm tr- I'm trying to think it out loud. I think it's because the crime they tell simultaneous summations, right? Which yeah. is amazing. I love that. That was cute. But that was cool. the wife the husband and wife one, not interesting. Yeah, no. The fortune cookie one interesting so it's not that i didn't like the little adventure that the three were going on it's that what they what their end goal was was not as interesting exactly you know what i mean they're trying to figure out what happened to this guy and you're like oh lady the crazy lady like she killed him it's, already know it's, that. Like, it's, it's pretty uh, i don't know how the sheriff didn't notice like this lady is clearly I hates her husband yeah <laughs> like why would i feel like if i was that sheriff of the town this lady who clearly hates her husband, who I know really well, he's not gonna go fishing in his metal boat, boat. during a thunderstorm. 
and leave what? his hat and his new lure on the yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, that That didn't take Monk to figure that out. Yeah, no. Yeah. I could have figured that out. Exa- and exactly. <laughs> it took Monk to figure out the fortune cookie part, not the wife, it, husband yeah, it part. It took Randy coming there being like, oh, heck. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so another Natalie learning curve. She oh, has to realize yeah. why crimes follow him around and not vice versa, right? Like he yeah. thinks she thinks she that calls like him ev- the prince of darkness. Don't say that. That's how rumors get started. That's how rumors get started. That's my favorite line. He was so serious. He's like, Don't say that. That's how rumors get started. Stop calling me. he sounded so hurt. Yeah, he, he was. He was like, Stop calling me the Prince of Darkness. That is uh, yeah, that's a really cl- I feel like that's a classic one too. Yeah, she thinks that he's bad karma. I know. Um, I don't I And then she realizes like, oh wait, like all these things happen around him because he can solve them. Mm-hmm. Like he's put there for a reason, not like things are following him around. Like like attracted to him. That was so weird to me. Like that was are you done with what you like? Was there anything else you liked before I go on my tangent? A rant. Um, let's see. I like when she calls him Mr. Conway. Mr. Conway. Mr. Conway. Mr. Conway. Frank. <laughs> Mr. Conway, we have to go. No. She like gets in his face. Yeah. Also, Monk's outfit's really cute. It is. It's so cute. It's got so cute. a little hat. <laughs> and then, okay, I, this is my last thing. Natalie, I have a, you have a Natalie catch. It's not a Natalie scheme. It's a Natalie catch. Okay. She says, when she's talking about the wife killing her husband, and she's like, uh, they they say you killed him for the insurance money. And she's like, oh, whatever. And then Natalie says, and what about the double indemnity clause, which pays double for an act of God? Mm. And then yeah. she looks at Monk like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I know something. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so good. It, I feel like it shows her contribution to the team. Exactly. She kind trying. of establishes that. She, she knows stuff. It's yeah, cute. Yeah, she knows stuff. That's I'm it. Like, Natalie. It really made me upset that she legitimately thought that these murders were following him around. I'm like, yeah. what? Are you yeah. stupid? Do you think that he causes people to want to kill each other? Like, well. what? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's possible. Him, wanting to kill him and wanting to kill each other are different. That's, that's true. But that's true. I, just, I don't know. That just seems so childish to me. Like, on her part. I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but if you think about it, like, again, because this is an obviously different universe, like, this is not reality, mm-hmm. but if you became somebody's assistant, and, like, yes, they're a detective, but they're, it's not like, oh, here's a case, Monk. It's like, when we go places, people just kill each other. People just kill each other. What is up with that? And, the, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like you... That genu- is weird. Like, you would yeah. be like... Dude, what is wrong with you? Do you have bad karma or something? And then when you put it together, like, oh, this stuff happens around you so you can figure out and put people mm-hmm. away. Yeah. But so. see, and even it, but if I were in her shoes, I wouldn't be like, oh, he's the cause of it. It's, oh, this stuff brings him to it. Like, we are drawn yeah. to these, these things that were going to happen inevitably. They draw us in. Yeah. We don't draw it in. Yeah. I would have that. She just has it backwards from she the does. beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually really like Randy's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel cool. like she plays it very coy. She's very good. Yeah. And I feel like she's a good actress, I honestly. Didn't, I didn't know But that. what I do not like is that 
Like, he says, I love you. And so I'm like, oh, he's actually in love with this girl. Like, this is not, like, some fling that he just met. I know. Like, she actually kind of, like, it. you know what I mean? Pulls him along. Exactly. So he actually loved her. It's sad. Um, also, the crazy wife. Like, she's so extra. She, yeah. I'm like, are you dumb? And did you watch 24? A little bit. I didn't watch a bunch of it. Oh, okay. Uh, she's... The, the husband, the husband is from 24, and he's, like, a really likable character on there. Um, and so I'm like, oh, she kills the husband from 24. <laughs> she kills the husband from 24. Um, yeah, so I have one more thing. Do you have anything else? Oh, so there's a small connection that in this episode. So in this episode, she realizes, oh, you are drawn to this stuff for a reason. Like, you're here to catch the bad people. Literally, the next episode after this is Mr. Monk in Traffic, where she reverts back to her old belief of, of course, of course you think somebody killed this person. Yeah. That's another thing I meant to mention. Mm -hmm. I forgot about it. But she's upset that he's like, I think this person killed this other person. She's like, oh, of course. I'm like, he has never been wrong. He has never been wrong, and you literally just stated in the previous episode, oh, he's drawn to these murders so he can catch the bad guys. Why are you being so prissy again? Yeah. I don't like that. That was dumb. Yeah. I hate it. So is that it? Yeah. Okay, my last thing. Monk would never drink the water, the Sierra Springs water from the ground. He yeah. would never do that. Mm-mm. Um, It was really funny, though, when they're, like, holding him back, like... <laughs> With by his arms and they're lowering him down to the ground, but it's when he goes to uh, Mexico, he won't drink one single drop of water that's not Sierra Springs. So I know it's like I'm saying kind of backwards that it is like Sierra Springs water, but it's from the ground. They haven't filtered it yet. They haven't filtered the water. He's drinking dirty water. You know what I mean? Like he's drinking basically. Like he knows that, and like the water's dirty. And because it is like he went, they were in that car for like 12 hours, maybe, or so, yeah. you know, like maybe eight hours. He was in Mexico for days without drinking water. So I feel like he would have just been like, I'm not he's that a, thirsty. Yeah. Why were they that thirsty? I don't know. Yeah. It's been, it was been a few hours, guys. Come on. And yeah. you, and you ate like cake? before that, like maybe they're thirsty from the cake. <laughs> the cake. No, that lemon cake but though. Did, but did Monk eat the cake? I doubt he ate a smushed cake. Yeah. They probably he ate did the it, cake. Exactly. They're the ones who were thirsty. Yeah. And Natalie was the one who was like, Mr. Buck, you're dehydrated. I'm like, girl, you don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know my body. You're dehydrated? Like, because I went eight hours without water? water? Like, whatever. I go, I go days without water. I mean, I drink, like, juice. Other things, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> trust me, when I sleep, I go eight hours without water. <laughs> They were sleeping in the car. Like, unless they never fell asleep. And so all they're thinking about is like, oh my gosh, we're so thirsty. We're so thirsty or something. Yeah, no. I don't know. What else? But he was a death... From what I remember, I could be wrong. Maybe he was whining. But I don't think he was desperate for water. Yeah. It felt like they just kind of forced him to drink ground water without any real, like, you're going to die kind of thing. Yeah. They just were like, you have to drink this because... We're dehydrated, so obviously you're dehydrated. He's just there like, no, please, stop. Yeah. All right. So, 
that was our bottom eight episodes of season three. So when we come back next time, you will hear our top eight episodes. So we'll be back. Make sure you join us. You'll thank me later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Junk Monk Podcast. We love to hear from you, so please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us at Junk Monk Podcast on Instagram. If you want to know more about Candice, she is at Hardens and Hardhats on Instagram. And if you want to know more about me, you can find me on Instagram at Blade underscore Chan, that's C-H-A-N 888, where you can follow my cosplay content. Don't forget to subscribe to our show. You'll thank me later.